Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams. And if you work for a company or brand looking to expand its reach in esports, Esports Network has opportunities across digital media, podcasting, and video programs. Please reach out to Esports Network CEO Mark Timmick using the email in the bio of this show. Hey, the sooner we get a sponsor, the sooner I stop leading every single episode with that read. And I know y'all want that. But anyways, on to the conversation today. I'm really excited about it. It's been in the works for quite a while as we were trying to find some scheduling over the holidays, but we finally have him here. We're talking to Matt House, the CEO of Sportquake. Sportquake is a leading marketing agency focused primarily on the soccer world. And out of respect for Matt, I'm going to be calling it football from this point on. So even though our audience is mostly Americans, we aren't talking American football here. We're talking soccer football, the real football. Putting that aside, Sportquake has been focused a lot on esports and gaming recently. They've negotiated two major deals in the last few months with gaming at the center and also have launched an esports brand, which is fittingly called Esportsquake, in the summer of 2020. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Mitch. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I love talking marketing, as our audience knows, and especially anything that works in both sports and esports. This was a pretty natural podcast pitch uh, for me to too. Let's start with the first of the two deals, and you get an example of just sort of the scope that Sportquake is working with here. The first deal featured Cristiano Ronaldo, you might have heard of him, uh, uh, doing a partnership with Garena Free Fire. And Free Fire is actually one of my favorite games to focus on in the esports gaming world right now due to its massive success, primarily in Brazil, which also makes it a natural choice for football partnerships, considering Brazil's love of football going back decades. And this partnership centered around Operation Crota, which debuted in December and allowed players of Free Fire to play as Cristiano Ronaldo in the game, which is a pretty cool deal. Matt, how did that deal come about? What was the process like to bring uh, one of the biggest names in the world, in sports, in other entertainment and celebrity, uh, into a mobile battle royale, Greater Free Fire? Yeah, it was um, it was a really uh, exciting uh, project to work with the guys on, um, from the whole kind of ideation and blueprint of the idea um, through to um, the, the integration and, and the final execution, both in terms of the in-game integration and, and the marketing around uh, the partnership. Um, I think like to start at the beginning, um, uh, I set up Sportquake um, 15 years ago um, and I had a background in media and, and uh, soccer or football uh, depending on what we're calling it today. And I'd worked at um, a number of large advertising agencies and then moved into um, sport media um, with Sky Sports, who's the, the Premier League host broadcaster. Uh, and then spent four years as commercial director at Tottenham Hotspur, which is one of the big three London football franchises. And when I set up Sportquake um, in that time, uh, over the period, um, our view is very much that um, we're in a world where, you know, sport, media, tech and gaming increasingly are coming more and more together. 
um, and we're seeing lots of really, really interesting collaborations um, as a result of that. Um, and primarily, right, it's about bringing um, these two different audiences together um, to create more impact and awareness. And so, um, as you and, and your listeners, no doubt, will be aware, or if not, um, you know, Free Fire, um, which is owned by Garina, um, which is part of the C Group. Um, we've worked with the C Group um, for some time, and we've worked with uh, um, uh, an e-commerce business they have, which is very strong in Southeast Asia, um, that offers a service similar to Amazon in those markets. Uh, and C uh, is actually uh, the best performing share, I think, globally over the last 12 months. I think it's kind of 5x over the last 12 months and is uh, within that organization has the e-commerce business Shopee and has Garena Free Fire. And we've done some work with, with Shopee, um, with Ronaldo um, in um, the fall of 2018 uh, and it performed extraordinarily well. And through that and then relationships with that throughout the group, um, the guys at uh, Garena thought there could be something here to do uh, something with him as well, um, but with their own sort of twist. Uh, and that was really where the kind of the genesis of the idea came from, um, to uh, bring his uh, audience and IP together with, with their audience. And um, they obviously are the, the number one game, or if not the number one game, one of the, the very top games in the world. I mean, I think they have... Um, something like 250 million downloads and 100 million daily users. Uh, and, and Ronaldo himself, in terms of his social media following, um, putting aside what they de he delivers uh, through the TV platform around his football games, he, his social media following is, is, is the biggest in the world of anyone, right? So he's got over four, bigger than um, the Kardashians, bigger than J-Lo, uh, and, and so forth. And he's got something like 450 million plus followers. And so the idea was to bring these two giants together um, in partnership. Absolutely. I pulled up the list of the most played mobile games by player count. And uh, you said 450 million. That's exactly what Gareta last reported, according to this article, uh, in August of 2019. Uh, but they were one of the most downloaded mobile games uh, in the world in 2019, to your point, and have driven just a pretty insane amount of viewership. Uh, and my favorite example of just sort of how big Gareta Free Fire is, uh, is the esports organization Loud Gaming down in Brazil. Mm -hmm. They launched in, I think, mid-2018 and have crossed... They're at 1.7 billion views on their YouTube channel. For comparison, the FaZe Clan account, which has been running for 10 years now and has numerous viral videos, is at just over 1 billion views. So in two years, uh, Loud Gaming, which focuses almost entirely on Garena Free Fire, has completely surpassed FaZe Clan's content output yeah, uh, really quickly. And that just kind of gives you an idea of, hey, this is how popular this game yeah. is. And and I think really where their their, their view was, listen, um, as the market leader, we, we really want to 
lead and, and, and set the agenda. And, you know, clearly we have, um, as you just said, large penetration of, 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 of gamers in terms of, you know, everything from hardcore to casual gamers. But there's something really exciting here that we think we could do to delight both our, our core gaming fans while also bringing in even more mainstream um, players to the game. Um, and also just kind of setting the agenda for the industry in terms of, you know, this is how you do these collaborations. Absolutely. That's really crucial too. And let's talk a little bit about that collaboration. Uh, we, you mentioned how everything is coming together and Free Fire itself is actually a representation of just how far tech has advanced recently. When you think about what mobile games were even four or five years ago to the point that they're now Battle Royales, which is the most server intensive game that you could imagine with 100 people. I'm not sure how many people actually drop into Free Fire, but you know the typical number is 100 people dropping in at the same time. And to do that on a mobile phone, on mobile technology, yeah. it's something that only became possible in the last few years. Yeah. And now you also see at the same time the ability to bring Cristiano Ronaldo into the game. And that's something that you know we, we've seen with games like FIFA in the past where they model people, they model... Uh, real athletes in those situations uh, but there's something different to bring them into a battle royale and have them play a character in this case chrono yeah uh, what had to happen on the back end to make this a reality was there any hesitation from any of the parties about potentially bringing cristiano ronaldo into a game like free fire yeah so so obviously um we've worked with um ronaldo and his people um a number of times before we have a great relationship with them. Um, and as I say, he had worked with us before with their e-commerce business, Shopee. And so there was a relationship with the group. And we obviously talked him through um, the, the opportunity with Garena and very much felt that there were some um, things to be aware of around the type of game it was, um, but that if we executed it, in, a, in, a, in the right way, that it could be really amazing. And so, you know, and, and, and back to your point about the, the, the quality of, of, of tech and delivery nowadays, you know, and, and huge shout out to, to Garena. Um, you know, they, they, they pulled together this amazing kind of personality and character, um, both conceptually and also graphically. Um, and it was developed in conjunction with Cristiano and his team as well in terms of the various things that it could do and so forth. And so, you know, the the ideation and the execution of that have, have been phenomenal. And as you say, the, you know, we wouldn't be able to do that if, if the tech wasn't where it, where it, is, um, where it is today. Um, but, yes, it's, it, it, it's, re it's really uh, amazing. And the thing that's so, you know, wonderful about it all as well is that you know you work on lots and lots of projects um and this really is one that from the whole kind of ideation to the execution it, it's really delivered and so you know we're just looking at some initial results with Garena and the results in terms of everything from the the marketing results the engagement and then the uh amount of people who are playing as as Cristiano's character Chrono 
are just um, phenomenal. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it's really a, a great project to be a part of. Absolutely. Once you could play anybody you're passionate about, we saw this in Fortnite as well, where they started introducing uh, fantasy characters like John yeah. Wick, uh, like some of the Avengers, the Marvel Universe people. People were like, oh, my Lord, I could do this. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Even just playing, uh, they put NFL jerseys in the game briefly, and that was enough for people to go bonkers and be like, I could, I feel like an NFL player. To actually play is Ronaldo, where it's backed by Ronaldo, takes it to another level for sure. And I'm curious, you know, this podcast does have an American-centric view. I think last time I checked our metrics, uh, 70% of our viewers were in the States. But a lot of it focus is still on the global nature of gaming because that's still so important. And as they go global, considering football is the world's biggest global sport, again, American audience just mentioned soccer, but football, uh, please just call it football. Can we start to make that a thing? I'd like to make that a thing. That's a side note. It's always bugged me. Uh, I'm curious, Matt, do football partnerships you think have an added layer of reach compared to some of the other sports out there? I think of something like the NFL and it is, it's massive here in the States, but it doesn't go much further beyond the borders. Uh, And I'm curious if you think there's a large opportunity given the global nature of football and the global nature of most esports and major video games uh, to do a lot more of these types of partnerships. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, obviously um, NFL and NBA, MLB and, and NHL are, are all, all big sports um, and, and, and particularly big in, in, in the US. I mean, the, the one that travels best is, is NBA, which is obviously very right. big in China, although there have been some political issues over the last 12 months or so. Let's avoid that topic for a, for a sec. Avoid that topic. Um, but but, but f- football obviously doesn't really have any boundaries. And, and you know, I think, you know, one of the big, um, a, a great kind of case study in that is is how many American businesses now are, are using um, the soccer platform and, and the Premier League and, and platform um, to push uh, their marketing objectives outside of the US. I think there's a real kind of, been a switching on over the last sort of five years about the the level of reach and engagement that that, that football soccer does offer um, almost uh, for American corporations a silver bullet for a, for a, for their non-domestic marketing sports marketing strategy it certainly makes a lot of sense and it just has that reach that some other stars don't entirely have and we'll see how that develops over time like you mentioned the nba actually does have quite a bit of reach as far as the three major uh, american sports leagues go the mlb nfl and nba the nba definitely has the most international presence of any of them uh, but nothing compares to football it just doesn't there's no sport that is so popular in every region uh, where it is primarily the dominant sport uh, as football is. So I want to switch gears a little bit. We're at the 15 minute mark here and uh, Sportquake and your esports side, Esportquake recently had another big deal that I'd like to talk about as well. Esportsquake, like we mentioned at the top of the show, was founded in summer 2020. And before we get into the deal, I think it's probably a good idea to start with sort of why you wanted to do that. Uh, what was the goal behind Esportsquake? What did you notice in 
the esports industry, we were like, hey, we can be a difference maker here. We really are somebody that brands need a new partner uh, to help sort of get these deals done. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I go back to the mother business, Sportquake, which is um, uh, a football, we, we position ourselves as, as football partnership experts or fo- football sponsorship experts. Um, and, you know, we, we really work in terms of helping the buyer side understand the, the whole market, 360 degrees, all of the different opportunities and nuances, uh, the different strategies and inventory and uh, availability and pricing and, and, and so forth. And it, it, it's worked very well uh, in terms of our, our football and soccer uh, clients, both um, rights owner and um, and brand and um, brands or, or buy buy side and sell side, depending on how you how you look at it. And 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 I I um, obviously had some esports um, people come across uh, our way probably about five years ago, and um, I thought, wow, this this looks really interesting and. And the underlying consumption trends look 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 really interesting, and uh, but I just didn't have the bandwidth really to to get with it, and I felt that it it really felt like the wild west back then, um, and I kind of thought, hmm, you know, as a business that's really kind of growing up, and I I can see that's if these trends continue, it, it's going to be um, a really much bigger industry five, ten, fifteen years, but I kind of felt, hmm. There's going to be a lot of lessons along the way um, as it grows. Um, And as we kind of fast forwarded three, four, five years, I kind of felt a bit like um, increasingly uh, outside of soccer, um, which had the global uh, reach, I really was looking at, you know, we talked about NBA and, you know, you might talk about F1 a little bit, but but it's, it's much more niche again. There are increasingly very few genuinely global sports. And I felt that esports really um, was kind of shouting out something that could be genuinely global. And that, you know, we should, we should get involved, uh, even though I do strongly believe in, in the same way that, you know, of the current uh, NFL roster of, of, of of, of 30 something 40 something teams you know if you look back 80 years to when that was all founded i think only two remain i think it's only the bears and the browns remain i do i do believe that there will be a lot of losers and a lot of people get smashed up um who have esports teams over the next five ten years as as they figure out the business models um but i think that all of those businesses they need people like us who can commercialize their uh, assets and inventory and strategies and so I felt that if, if we could get involved we'd be a, a good part of that industry in terms of helping bring money in and that we would grow and we would develop as as, as the industry evolves. I, I think it's really crucial and I like that you brought up the history of these sports leagues because it's so easy for people in esports to start immediately comparing where esports is now to where sports leagues are now and it's not really a fair comparison. You need to go back in time. Also, I was very curious about that OG uh, 
NFL roster. And you are absolutely correct. It looks like the Chicago Bears were actually called the Chicago Cardinals at the time. And the only location and team name was actually the Green Bay Packers, which makes a lot of sense considering Green Bay is not a city that anybody knows outside of the Packers. So yeah, it's a, that history of sports leagues is littered with a lot of teams that never took off. And that's true of every single sports league out there. Uh, not sure as much. I can't spot, speak as much to international football and like the Premier League's origins. I'm not as familiar with that. Uh, but in at least the major American sports leagues, there's a ton of growing pains that go through. And esports right now is going through some of those growing pains. I think it's accelerated a little bit because, hey, we could just, uh, games are coming out immediately. There's a ton of people playing video games, but, you know, revenues haven't caught up to operation costs. Uh, we're going to see some sort of correction coming soon. That's not a controversial statement by any means with people in the Overwatch League asking for portions of their buy-ins back and uh, potential sales being reported on. Uh, so there's absolutely growing pains to come. But at the same time, we're also seeing all of these major brands enter the industry. And in this case, uh, it's this combination of non-endemic brands, uh, some big ones over the last year, MasterCard really expanding their work, all the car brands, Kia, Honda, BMW doing a lot of work in this space. Uh, and then we're also seeing the endemic brands, other video game companies, uh, peripheral partners, things like that. And that's the deal that Esport Quake recently negotiated. They worked with Natus Fincere, better known as Navi, uh, to get the game Raid Shadow Legends on Navi jerseys, among other activations, I imagine. But I think the jersey patch is probably the biggest uh, part. And I think most people in gaming have likely seen at least one of their favorite YouTubers uh, promoting Raid Shadow Legends. It's been all over my YouTube page. Uh, but I haven't seen Raid on a physical jersey or an esports partnership, in fact, Uh, that promotes an individual game like that and so i'm curious what was the inspiration behind that and why did it feel why did it make sense to put uh, the actual game on an esports jersey when they're ostensibly playing other video games at the same time yeah so i think that that's that's a great point right and i think that you know um this is a, a simple idea um and it was interesting when we were talking to the guys at Plarium, uh, who own who own uh, the game. Um, they are very well versed, as you just said yourself, in in in, in the esports audiences and, and and whatnot. But they hadn't realised that they could actually align around a game that delivers their audience and do a partnership in that area. And so once we had that simple uh, insight. Um, then we pulled together the, 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 the best teams that fitted with their um, regionality and you know market reach and, and demographics and so forth um, and pulled together a deal that, as you say, includes uniform branding but includes a whole bunch of other stuff in terms of opportunities to engage with um, these, uh, these players and fans of the team. Absolutely. What are some of those other tenets of the partnership? You know, you see the jersey patch, and I think jerseys are definitely one of the big white spaces in esports. But esports is a little bit unique that it has a ton of white space for different brands. Uh, we've seen 
uh, Riot Games implement in-game banner ads for one big example of like, hey, this is one way we can get brands closer to the game. What's the value in connecting with the gaming audience and how? what other opportunities do you see for brands in this space in general? I think for, I think game developers, I mean, I just think it's a very authentic way to to engage with fans and, and obviously one of the really um, y- unique and powerful benefits that the esports teams and players and influencers offer is 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 the way you can then promote across their channels um and cross-pollinate in that way with the publisher channels and then with the team and, and player channels uh and channels such as twitch so i think th- those areas are, are really potent and 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 a pretty unique to esports actually that's a great point too, is just sort of, hey, you know, there's a lot of ways you can connect to somebody who's channel surfing or a sports fan who's watching TV. That's a pretty established way. Hey, we can do in-stadium partnerships. We can do social activations that target that. We can buy stadium signage. We can buy commercial spots. You know, take your pick. What are some of the unique opportunities in the esports platforms on YouTube and Twitch uh, that make them really interesting? I think from my perspective, the e-commerce side and being able to get immediate click-throughs and immediate uh, audience numbers and audience success numbers off of it is something that makes those platforms a bit more valuable to brands. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that um, I'm generalizing somewhat, but you know the 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 esports teams and players and influencers that you know the key deliverers around uh, esports they have a a a, a more contemporary um, view about how to commercialize social channels um, than you know traditional sports rights owners so we've talked about you know football or soccer and, and the Premier League the big Premier League clubs within that, and, and the same thing with, with, with NFL and NBA, that the, the, these are much more corporate organisations than the equivalent, uh, and, and, the, and the players, the top players have a, a much bigger army of people around them than the esports teams, the equivalent esports teams and players. And so I think some of it, it, it just gives quite a nice, uh, refreshingly... Um, informal way of working can you elaborate a little bit on that refreshingly informal is a nice way of describing it i've definitely felt that going from covering sports events to covering the esports events there it was refreshingly informal uh can you expand a little bit on what that means in practice yeah i just uh, um when you when you're dealing with the the large um operations and, and 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 talent in in the traditional big sports nfl nba Premier League and, and so forth is, you know, um, those are very uh, heavily protected areas um, by um, communication directors um, and they're, you know, uh, at, at pains to always look to present polit- politician-like, you know, a, a positive spin on everything. Um, and so even if, you know, uh, your your team, you know, you go on the, the their their social channels after they've just been thrashed. 
um, you know, somehow the club's trying to, or the team is making out that, you know, hey, we, this was a great game. Um, and, 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 and the fans, you know, uh, are, are probably looking at it a different way. And, it, you know, if you go to the uh, unofficial channels, they're a bit reporting it in a, in a different way. And I just think that the esports team, it's just, it's, it's, it's quite nice in terms of um, how you can kind of talk about an idea and then get it done and get it done quickly and get it out um, without some of the bureaucracy that comes with these bigger organisations for all sorts of good reasons as well. Um, but I, I think a middle ground maybe maybe something better. But you know, that's where we are. It, it it's grown over time as well. Uh, the experience that I use because it's core to me growing up is that my dad worked at Nike for thirty years, and he talks about the time when it started back in the when he started there back in the late eighties, early nineties. And it was quick. It was, I think, refreshingly informal in a lot of ways. They did things really quickly. They moved quickly. And as Nike's grown into being such a major brand, it's slowed down. There's yeah, more red tape in the way. You can't do that. You know, exactly, exactly. So it's a, it's a complicated thing that a lot of sports leagues are figuring out how to develop now. I mean, you, you can say the same thing happened with the NBA, right? With the Jordan blow up. In the 80s, it was... Uh, a small league. It had two main stars. They were facing off in Magic and Larry. Jordan comes around. It becomes this massive global phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly you've got a little bit of a different catalyst to deal with. You have you have more things to deal with. You have more people in more positions. Uh, and it suddenly becomes a little bit slower to move. And, and it's something that sports has happened with a lot. And it has not happened to esports yet. It probably does eventually, though. Yeah, I mean, you know... The NBA is famously known, you know, the, the no business allowed NBA uh, because, you know, it is so corporate and, and lawyered up. Um, but it's, it's still a fantastic platform. You know, you just have to understand that the rules of engagement with it are, are, are different. And as I say, the, the rules of engagement with these these new areas and, and, and esports within that is 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 nice i mean you know because again i I've, I've been doing soccer football for 20 years and you know it takes you back a bit to how how things used to be done and it was you know it's become more 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 corporate for all the, all the reasons that we, we talked about and understandable as well so it, it's quite nice to work with something again which is more in its infancy quicker um more informal and so forth. And I think ultimately, you know, that's a great point of difference for esports teams and players and influencers to, to be able to offer that point of difference because it, they, obviously they can't compete in some of the areas of the, uh, the traditional sports. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was what originally attracted me to becoming an esports journalist. I was studying sports in school and I was like, you know what? I'd rather work in an area that is growing rapidly where there is no shortage of things to cover. I could promise you that there is uh, less competition for stories and there are more stories in general. So I've really enjoyed that about esports as well. And I think it's a, an industry as we've seen with all of those places, if you're in your infancy there and you're a, you provide a lot of value to either sports or esports, it sets you up for a lot of long-term success once it does reach that bureaucracy stage eventually uh and then there will be a hot new thing there's always going to be new games coming out so we'll always have 
uh, something else in its infancy, which is also going to be a lot of fun. So, Matt, I want to wrap up there. Got to be conscious of your time here. I want to give you one more chance. Uh, what do you want people looking out for, following, watching for, coming out of Sportquake or Esports Quake uh, in the coming days to months? Yeah, I think um, really we'll be doing more of the same, um, more high-profile collaborations between the world's top um, sports properties and exciting brands. Fantastic. I love a nice brand deal in esports and gaming. I will maybe write about some of them for Adweek. If the Adweek editors ever get back to me, they won't listen to this, so it's fine. Uh, but that will happen one of these days because there are a ton of awesome brand deals happening across sports and esports. Uh, to our audience, you'll be hearing this on Friday the 22nd is when I'm publishing that, maybe over that weekend. And on Monday, I have another new episode for y'all. It's going to be, I know I promised this one last week, but it's actually happening this time. I got a little bit sick last week. It's going to be with O'Larry. 2k the nba 2k league player that has a really interesting story he was uh, unfortunately attending a madden tournament in jacksonville that ended in a shooting uh, and saw two people dead after that shooting o'larry was shot uh, i believe a couple times once in the hand uh, made a full recovery and a return to the nba 2k league so we're gonna be talking about that event it's going to be a different podcast than you're probably used to on this feed, but he has a really important story uh, and his recovery is really awesome. I mean, that's just somebody who went through a lot uh, to recover and go back to playing esports on the top level. He won an SB for his journey. So we're going to be talking about all those different experiences he's had over a uh, pretty wild last few years for O'Larry 2K. Uh, so be on the lookout for that show coming out on Monday. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Matt House, the CEO of Sportquake. Matt, thanks again for joining. Pleasure. Thank you.